Hello, my Rebels. Uh, tonight, a feature interview with our old friend Manny Montenegrino. He's so smart, and he pulls together so many ideas, and he sort of knits them together in an interesting way. I love catching up with him, so we're going to take the whole show with him. But before I do, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. Eight bucks a month, half the price of Netflix. And not only do you get my show, you get four other weekly shows we do around here and the satisfaction of helping Canada's independent network. We don't take a dollar from Trudeau. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Italy has a new prime minister that the liberals all hate. And can Pierre Polyev win? It's a feature interview with our friend Manny Montenegrino. It's September 29th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. There's a lot going on in the world, a lot going on here in Canada. One of my favorite guys to talk to, he's got a very clever mind. He's a great analyst. He's got a legal way of thinking, but he's also very political. You know, he's being a lawyer to political leaders, including former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. I love talking to Manny Montenegrino. He's the boss of Think Sharp in Ottawa, but I, I always have to make sure we take our time because there's so much we cover. We can't just fit it in the 15-minute interview. So today, what a delight to have for our entire show, my friend, Manny Montenegrino, joining us live via Skype from Ottawa. Manny, great to see you again. Great to be with you, Ezra, as always. Well, I, I love it when you come on the show, and I thank you for your time. I want to talk about something that's close to my heart as a super fan of Italy. You know, I'm, I was born Jewish. I like being Jewish. But if I... <laughs> Had to be any other background, I would want to be Italian. I love the country, the people, the food, the music, everything. And I and God bless the Italians who have shaped the world in so many ways. And Italy just elected its first female prime minister, Giorgia Maloney. And I don't know that much about her, but I like what I see. Italy's a G7 country. They're a NATO ally. They're there's a million and a half or more Italian Canadians. Like Italy and Canada are friends. But Manny, Justin Trudeau refuses to issue even the most perfunctory congratulations to her winning. Like she, she's a female leader. You'd think that would be his bailiwick, but he is treating her, he's ghosting her, he's giving her the cold shoulder. I find that shocking. Yeah, no, so do I. I mean, I'm extremely disappointed, but it tells you the true nature of who Justin Trudeau is. Um, he is a very vindictive, divisive human being. If you do not align with his, his personal principles, you do not exist. He will ghost you. He will, he will completely ignore you. And, and, and Ezra, we've seen this for years with this guy this vindictive, hateful prime minister. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Now, remember that that protest. Mm -hmm. This was during a pandemic mm -hmm. where people, I, we weren't even allowed out. It was the worst of times during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. He sat there, went and met with them. Forget the health rules. Forget everything. He's aligned with that value. He knelt with them. And that's who, if you are on Justin Trudeau's bandwidth, you are going to get royal treatment. Now, compare that with the truckers, who he once called only a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. He called truckers essential workers. These are our heroes. We need them. We love them. They're bringing our food and everything to us. Uh, and then a year later, he because they wanted to stop this very vindictive policy, imagine putting in a new health policy for for COVID, when we were at the tail end and about to release it all, he puts his vindictive policy and he wouldn't meet with him for a second. Yeah. That tells you who he is. Now, the, the Italian, new Italian PM is very oppressive. Um, she's basically going back to core values. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, and, you know, Italy has 
done a lot in the years being progressive and moving on to its uh, its this progressive values and it hasn't worked well if you talk i mean it works well with the elites but not to the the people on the street mm -hmm. italians and uh so yeah we have a change of government she's a wonderful woman i mean i mean again the fact that trudeau will not say anything about her goes goes back to his i will call him a a, a huge misogynist hmm. why would i why would i say that not because because of facts you might recall that he sexually assaulted rose knight the reporter mm -hmm. right i mean that was that was admitted and then he said um, that she experienced it differently right. like she had right. an awful he had an awful excuse for it yeah, of course, but he did. Mm -hmm. He sexually. And then the second thing, which was, I mean, I, I, I take, um, I kind of look at who our attorney generals are, and uh, uh, Judy Jody Wilson Roybal was an impressive attorney general, mm -hmm. uh, a female indigenous woman. He just kicked you to the curb. A very misogynist in his treatment, as well as he was with Philippot. And then we 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 know about his misogyny. If if women do not agree with him, then boom, he they're done. So we've seen that. Um, he talks the talk about women in politics. The whole liberal world, Hillary Clinton, everybody should be applauding that we finally have a PM, a, a PM in a, a female PM in a G7 country. Mm -hmm. But no, you know, just diplomatic protocol, like the whole idea of having diplomats is that you still deal with each other, talk to each other, even if there's tensions. I mean, for heaven's sakes, um, we have diplomats in 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 communist regimes like China. We like we actually never stopped dealing with China when they took those Canadians to Michael's hostage. If Trudeau will continue to do business with China when they were holding our hostage, but he won't even say congratulations. He, he wouldn't even say congratulations to the Italian people on a successful election. Like he yeah, just right. won't say anything. And I checked. I checked Trudeau's Twitter feed, the Foreign Affairs Twitter feed, Melanie Jolie's Twitter feed, like not even acknowledging it. That's just pouty. And listen, this is a guy, Trudeau, who gave a beautiful eulogy for Fidel Castro. But he can't say right. a word about our G7 NATO ally. Not even a perfunctory congratulations. I look forward to working with you, though we may have our differences. Our friendships are greater. Like, whatever. He won't even right. say that. He's like a pouty right. child. He's like a pouty teenager. Well, I think the biggest threat to a progressive, vacuous, um, you know, liberal that is all virtue signaling is a woman with conservative values that is well-spoken. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and those are the biggest threats because uh, very powerful, she's very powerful. You know, let's forget about the personalities. Let's just look at what's happened in Italy. I have a friend that just came back from Italy. Italians are paying a thousand euros for hydro per month. Mm -hmm. Their pension is a thousand three hundred per month. Mm -hmm. Like, can we at least Give the people of Italy yeah. some credit. They're saying, yeah. we can't do this. We can't get on this road of progressivism mm -hmm. because we are literally dying. We yeah. are not going to survive the next tranche of these wonderful little experiments that these millionaires and billionaires uh, contrive. So it's fair that they're mm -hmm. saying, well, we've had enough. Yeah. I mean, Italians say, hey, you know what? I mean, Italians are, you know, you can push them around a lot, but there's a point in time where they say, okay, basta, basta. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and they say enough. And, 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 and so where you have the Italian people saying we can't, I mean, you look at, you look at the whole, the whole culture is under attack. I mean, we as Canadians have to respect every other culture except the Canadian culture. Italians have to respect, respect every other culture except the Italian culture. And I tell you, the Italian culture is a pretty damn good culture. It's got a lot. And to see it be, you know, dismantled daily, uh, you know, Canada's culture is a wonderful culture, but we're only been around 100 years or so uh, to sit there and see the progressives destroying the family, you know, deal, la familia, uh, you know, uh, la pièce. When you, when you go after country, um, uh, families, 
I mean, families are important mm-hmm. to Italians. To sit there and say only five people can get together for Christmas mm-hmm. on an arbitrary decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Italian family was under assault. So, you know, I mean, it's inevitable that they're going to ask for mm-hmm. a new government. And it's, it's nothing, you know, untoward. Manny, you made me think of two videos I've watched recently by Georgia Maloney. The first one is where she talks about her values and her identity as a mother, as a wife, as a Christian, as an Italian. And I thought this kind of strong patriotic talk would have really resonated. Now, the left called that fascism, but they denounce everything as fascism. Here, watch Georgia Maloney really go through who she thinks she is and by expansion, who she thinks Italians are. Look at this video. I thought it was beautiful. Potrei farne tante altre di queste domande. A monte c'è quella che ci facciamo oggi. Perché la famiglia è un nemico? Perché la famiglia fa così paura? C'è una risposta unica per tutte queste domande. Perché ci definisce, perché è la nostra identità. Perché tutto quello che ci definisce in questo tempo è un nemico. Per chi vorrebbe che non avessimo più un'identità e che, fossero, che fossimo solamente schiavi, consumatori perfetti. E allora è sotto attacco l'identità nazionale, è sotto attacco l'identità religiosa, è sotto attacco l'identità di genere, è sotto attacco l'identità familiare. Non devo potermi definire italiana, cristiana, donna, madre, no. Io devo essere cittadino X, genere X, genitore 1, genitore 2, devo essere un numero. Perché quando sarò solamente un numero, quando non avrò più un'identità, quando non avrò più radici, beh, allora sarò lo schiavo perfetto in balia della grande speculazione finanziaria, il consumatore perfetto. E questa è la ragione per la quale, questa è la ragione per la quale oggi noi facciamo tanta paura, questa è la ragione per la quale oggi questo appuntamento fa tanta paura. Perché noi non vogliamo essere dei numeri, noi siamo qui per dire che noi non siamo dei numeri, noi difenderemo il valore della persona umana, di ogni singola persona umana, perché ognuno di noi ha un codice genetico unico e irripetibile. E questo piaccia o no a del sacro. Lo difenderemo, difenderemo Dio, la patria e la famiglia, che fanno tanto schifo a qualcuno. Lo faremo per difendere la nostra libertà, perché noi non saremo mai schiavi e semplici consumatori in balia della speculazione finanziaria. Ecco la nostra missione, ecco perché oggi sono venuta qui. Scriveva Chesterton ormai più di un secolo fa, vediamo se se ve lo trovo, fuochi verranno attizzati per dimostrare che due più due fa quattro, spade verranno sguainate per dimostrare che le foglie sono verdi in estate. Quel tempo è arrivato, signori, siamo pronti. Grazie. Manny, I love that, but let me show you another video that goes to what you were talking about, about poverty and how, you know, in many ways, Italy has not kept pace economically. Energy prices, listen to her critique Emmanuel Macron and talk about how Italy's energy plans were stifled by European... Union bosses, listen to this. This really resonated with me, and I'm not Italian. I could see why someone who feels like they didn't benefit from the last 20 years of globalism, why this resonated. Take a listen to Giorgia Maloney talk about the economy. Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel Macron ci ha definiti vomitevoli, cinici, irresponsabili, e qui la stampa italiana a dire, hai eh, visto che ha detto Macron, che siamo irresponsabili, vergogna. Irresponsabili Emmanuel Macron sono quelli che hanno bombardato la Libia perché gli dava fastidio che l'Italia avesse un rapporto privilegiato in campo energetico con Gheddafi, esponendoci al caos migrazione nel quale ci troviamo. Cinici Emmanuel Macron... Sono i francesi che mandano la gendarmerie a rispedire indietro qualunque immigrato tenti di passare il confine a Ventimiglia. Ma soprattutto, perché le cose vanno raccontate come si deve, vomitevole è chi... Co- Bono, che lo vuoi tu? Ci hai mai tolto il padre? 
vomitevole e chi come la Francia continua a sfruttare l'Africa stampando moneta per 14 nazioni africane sulle quali applica il signoraggio facendo lavorare bambini nelle miniere estraendo materie prime come accade in Niger dove la Francia estrae il 30% dell'uranio che gli serve a far camminare le centrali nucleari e il 90% dei nigerini vive senza elettricità non ci venire a fare lezioni Macron perché l'Africa scappa da voi e la soluzione non è spostare gli africani in Europa è liberare l'Africa da certi europei non accettiamo lezioni chiaro? So that's a you know what she's attractive she's energetic she's passionate she's patriotic She's a fighter, not a wishy-washy woman. I think she's a hell of a presence. And I don't know, I'm, it, but she's not, you know, car- a caricature. In her first day on the job, she gave a shout-out to Ukraine. So she's not some pro-Putin activist that some would yeah. accuse her of. I think she's very interesting. I'd like to learn yeah. more about her. Yeah, you know, you, you forgot to add on your list. Uh, she's a mother. Right. Um, you know... Italian mothers, when you go too hard against who they are, their identity, you get a little bit of a fight back. And mm-hmm. we should be getting a little bit of a fight back from all mothers. Um, so she doesn't like to be that role, which in some people is the greatest role a woman can achieve, is being a mother, giving birth. I mean, it's like there's nothing greater that you can do than to, to create life and to sit there and, and be demeaned some mothers don't like that and mm-hmm. she seems to be one of those mothers mm-hmm. that doesn't like that you know uh i'm enjoying getting to know her through her speeches but let me show you something funny i mean i'm on on twitter i use it to express myself but i also use it to search things it's got a good search engine you can search um by video you can search by image if you go to twitter.com and search for just the word Georgia Meloni and search for videos, it will not give you a single result. Twitter is banning you. It's, it's absurd. I just tried it before we came on the show here. I thought, well, let me just check. Is that really what's going on? And I tried it, and our uh, control room boss, Olivia, tried it. We could not. Twitter is banning the entire world from searching for Georgia Maloney videos. And I'm shocked by that, but I shouldn't be shocked if they kicked off Donald Trump. Of course they're going to kick off a foreign leader. I find that atrocious. They're trying to meddle in Italy's democracy. I find that outrageous, but completely predictable. Yeah, and no, the most anti-democratic people are the people on the left, are liberals. They will not tolerate... um, Listen, I have... I, Trudeau has policies that I don't agree with. Uh, they truly hate. They want, they're vindictive. I mean, you look what's happening with in, in the United States. You know, uh, they're going after Trump, like uh, using all the full force of the law. They're very vindictive people. Um, and, and so, so they don't like the idea. And because the ideas are sound, I will, I mean, the, the ideas resonate. Yeah, the great irony, what made Canada great, what made America great, what made Italy great, what made a lot of these countries great, are the values that she's now reinstating. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I came to Canada, it was God, country, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in 1959, uh, we, we, it wasn't a, you know, we felt that we were a little more family Italians, mm-hmm. but Canadian families were pretty, pretty... Um, Uh, had a strong resolve. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Canada was not much different from a value system Mm -hmm. than than Italy when when we immigrated in 59. Uh, And now those values are gone. Uh, I mean, the family is gone, uh, the the identity of the... So instead of being identified to these core values, now you must identify with these liberal values that unfortunately 
can't meet the test of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you were a feminist and you said, you know, only women should have the, you know, the you know, on their on, on their persons. Well, what is a woman today? I mean, yeah. we've, you know, so so their values, unfortunately, don't endure, and because they don't endure, they're always in crisis. You know, I was going to ask you when you talked about Trudeau's vendettas. I know why he had a vendetta against the truckers. They embarrassed him. Right. They they caused people to wake up to the fact that not everyone was going on. It was it was actually a very transformative moment. So I know why he has that vendetta. But I was thinking, why does he have a vendetta against Maloney? I'm sure he's never met her. I'm sure he knows very little about her. But I, I don't think it's so much personal as he just despises all those things you listed. She's sort of the anti-Trudeau. He's woke. She's traditional. He's all style, no substance. She's about core values. He's yeah. a globalist who believes but, in uh, shutting down carbon, shutting down nitrogen, and she's a real person who cares about the poor. That's why he's got a vendetta against her. He hates no, what but, she believes. Yeah, but not only that, Ezra. What's most important to a misogynist, misogynist like Trudeau, and I can prove, if I were in a court and I had 12 jury members, I could prove that he's a misogynist. Mm-hmm. There's enough evidence I've given you. But it, most importantly to a misogynist liberal is those strong values, great oratory skills wrapped up in a very, in a woman is what destroys them the most. I mean, we can go back as far as Margaret Thatcher I mean, there's a strong concern. Like, like what they didn't like about her, the liberals, is that that she's a woman. You can you can go after a man that has conservative values. You know, you can call him a racist. You can call him a misogynist. You know, you just make these charges. It's pretty hard to use those tried and true uh, lies against a woman. Yeah. So she, they, they basically, the only thing they can do to stop her is to obliterate her. And pretend she doesn't exist because they, I mean, the very first, had he been a man and had he been saying the same thing, the exact same words uh, that that she's been saying, they would then run up a few women saying, oh, he sexually assaulted me. He did this and they would destroy him, Mm -hmm. but they can't touch her. So she's an incredible threat. Mm -hmm. Any woman, uh, you know, and I assure you it's going to happen. The first you know, we in Canada, we our first female prime minister uh, was a conservative. America, their first female um, a prime minister, uh, president, will be a woman, mm-hmm. and it will be a powerful person because uh, they cannot be attacked using the same, you know, tried and true. Oh, she's a racist. She's a se- or he's a racist. He's a sexist. He's a misogynist. Or you know, and, and so that's why she. It's really the nature that the fact that she's a woman. That, that is saying these exact words. I, I agree with you, and, and I'll give you some more examples. You mentioned J- Jody Wilson-Raybould, Jane Philpott. I sure. would add to that Celine Cesar yes. Cervantes. He really doesn't do well with women who don't obey him. But he also hates men who disagree with him. I remember the last time he had a pout over a foreign leader being elected was Jair Bolsonaro. Oh, sure. In Brazil. And now Brazil doesn't have the same close ties with Canada that Italy does. We didn't have uh, the same immigration from Brazil. It's We just don't have some, some of the similarities. But Brazil's a very important country. It, it's a very large country uh, economically, population-wise, resources. Um, to, to have that kind of a pout about major countries, it just feels so small time. I don't know if you remember this. I think this clip is from the G20, where Trudeau is looking around for anyone to make eye contact with him, and he sits down to Bolsonaro, and Bolsonaro couldn't care less about Trudeau. Trudeau wanted to shake his hand and be cool when the cameras were on, but he wouldn't even send him a letter of congratulations. Let me ask you about one last exchange. I'm going to show you two quick videos, Manny. This first one is a montage put together by the Media Resource Center in the States, which is just different American TV hosts using almost the identical language to denounce Maloney. And I tell you, Manny, not a single one of these journalists had even heard the name Maloney the day before. But now they're so certain she's a neo-fascist. They all used identical language. It was like they were reading from the same press release. Take a look at this two minutes of hate 
against Giorgia Maloney. Take a look. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a, a hardcore neo-fascist militant. It's stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard-right party rose to power. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Most right-wing government since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far-right far right, far right government since World, World War II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for its history, but not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. Manny, here's the thing. Someone who actually knows Georgia Maloney, who fought against her in politics, uh, is an Italian politician by the name of Renzi. And he appeared on CNN, and CNN thought, oh, this is going to be great. We got ourselves a liberal. I'm going to set it up nice and slow, and it's just going to be a Matteo Renzi. He's a former Italian prime minister, no less. So certainly no fan of Maloney. But watch this exchange. It is too good, Manny. Take a look. But um, personally, frankly speaking, I was against Giorgia Meloni. So I, I'm not the best friend that we grew up together in politics, but we were, we, we are, and will be rival always. At the same time, I think that is not a danger for Italian democracy. Uh, she is uh, my rival, I, I'm rival, we will continue to uh, fight each other. But the ideas are now there is a risk of fascism in Italy is absolutely a fake news. Mm. She won election, particularly because populism a lot of times won in Italy. So they were hoping that he would say, oh, she's a fascist. He specifically said she's not a danger. She's not a fascist. She's my rival and I'll keep fighting her. But she is not a fascist, Manny. Right. Now, you would think that would be so instructive to the fake news media. Here you have her biggest opponent, a liberal in the Italian parliament, who says nothing, in fact, says quite the opposite. She's not a fascist. She just yeah. has a different view of politics. Yeah. You would think that someone like Trudeau, someone like the fake news media would say, well, that person's probably the most credible person yeah. about her personality, and we should give him the greatest weight because he's saying nothing but complimentary stuff about her, and she's nowhere near what the media or Trudeau is trying to do. And, and, and you would think that they would at least listen to somebody who's been on the ground, a liberal like them, and saying, you know what, she's all right. She just have different values than I do, which is fine. Mm. I mean, this is what the mock, what I don't understand about uh, the new liberal is they just hate the concept of democracy. It's all right. Canada does very well when it has two different ideas to pick from, when the electorate has two different ideas. Italy does well. We don't do very well. I mean, you look at Cuba, you look at China, they don't do very well when they have nobody to pick from. So if, if, if liberalism works when conservatism fails, conservatism works when liberalism fails. And if you keep pushing that stone, we become a great country. To sit there and to demonize one half of the population, one half the ideas, it, it is just repugnant. Yeah. Yeah, you're, that's right. That was the other point Renzi made is she just won an election. I mean, yeah, she I didn't know. have a coup. She didn't yeah. have a put. It's quite yeah. something. Well, listen, yeah. I find Italy very interesting as a as a country. I love the history. I, you know, it's it's a wonderful place for vacation. Uh, there's so many things to like about it. But I'm going to study their politics more closely if yep. I can, if I'm ever allowed to search for videos from Giorgio Maloney. Apparently, Twitter thinks that's too risky. I well, can't handle that. It, 
Well, Ezra, one more bad election in Canada, the Montenegrino family might have to immigrate back to Italy. Well, you know, that would be <laughs> our loss, but, uh, you know, it's beautiful over there. Well, let me, let me switch gears. I mean, I, I introduced you as someone who knows law and politics here in Canada. You were the lawyer to Prime Minister Stephen Harper, for example. So it was fun to talk to you about Italy. I know it's close to your heart, and it, I, you know, I find it very interesting. And we learn a lot about Trudeau and the media censorship through what's happened there. But I want to get back to Canada, because that's where we both live, and that's the country we love. I am cautiously optimistic about the new leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, Pierre Polyev. And we haven't had you on since he became leader of the party. And I must say, he won with a great majority on the first ballot, 68% and change on a ranked ballot, first ballot, that really took the air out of the balloon for those who would say, oh, the party's divided, this isn't a party we know. No, it shows, and he won in almost every single district in the country. I think he won more than 99% of the districts. So a, a strong win. Give me your thoughts. I'll just stand back. Why don't you riff on well, Pierre Polyev for a while? Well, I'm so excited. I, I know Pierre personally. I can tell you that he is extremely impressive, uh, extremely knowledgeable. And there's one thing that Pierre, I, 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 obviously Stephen Harper, in my opinion, was the best prime minister we ever had. Um, but I think Pierre will do better. And the reason why Pierre will do better is he's from a different age group who understands the media a lot more than we did 20 years ago or 15 years ago. We now know that the media acts very much like the enemy to conservatism, the enemy to idea. I mean, we just gave some examples where you can't even get a, a video of the, of the newly elected PM, where the media simply creates a narrative for the liberals. Pierre understands that. And unless you understand and meet it, we don't do well. And, and that is the most impressive part about him, is he understands that the media are not the friend. And so that's great. He has great core idea. Now, here's an interesting thing about Pierre. And this is what I love about him. He would otherwise be the poster boy for the Liberal Party. And let me explain that to you. Not because of his ideology, but because of what Liberals always put forward. They always put forward concepts like a single mom, immigrants, refugees, well, Pierre Poliver is um, an adopted child from a single mom. His parents that adopted him, God bless him, probably two wonderful people because they raised a wonderful boy, uh, were teachers, not millionaire oil barons like the Trudeaus. They were just humble teachers. Now, plus he married this wonderful woman from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, sound, she sounds like my family where we immigrate. <laughs> oh, she's great. Oh, she is, but immigrated with nothing, just a lot of spunk um, and a lot of determination and a lot of love and a lot of openness in her heart. And here she is, an immigrant, a refugee, you know, marrying an adopted child that was raised by two teachers. That would be the poster person yeah. of, of the Liberal Party. They would say, oh, my God, that's every, he's everything we wanted. No, what they really choose all the time are the swamp. Are the millionaires in bed? I mean, you look at Trudeau. I mean, he has a work a day in his life before mm-hmm. he became a politician. Mm-hmm. Nothing but privilege. So much privilege that he wore blackface five times or too many times to count. Mm-hmm. This, this is who the liberals really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at in, in the States, uh, Joe Biden. I mean, nothing but swamp and privilege, like his whole 50 years of being. A, a, it, is, it, is, it is quite funny because you would think that if you just looked on paper, Pierre should be getting 90% of the liberal votes if the liberals believed in the values that they talk about. Yeah. You know, I think you've zoomed in on two of his great strengths. One is he knows the media in 2022 is not neutral. Yeah. And more importantly, he knows he knows he can't win them over. They are not right. his friends. If they're smiling at him, it's the smile of a crocodile. <laughs> the bite. 
I think you're so right on that. And I think we should talk a little more about that. But the second thing, and this is what hit me when I was there on that leadership night, because I had re- I'd seen little snippets of his wife. I think her, his name is, her name is Anida. I had never really heard her give a speech, and she can give a speech. Not oh, only yeah. is she eloquent, yeah. her substance. Here, let, let me just play a little clip of her election night speech. She is a secret weapon, Manny. Take a look at this. Yeah. My husband and I share the same values, although our background is a little different. Mon mari et moi, nous partageons les mêmes valeurs, malgré que notre parcours est un peu différent. I was born in Caracas, Venezuela, and my family immigrated to Canada in 1995, in a working-class neighborhood in the east end of Montreal. My father, he went from wearing business suits and managing a bank to jumping on the back of a pickup truck to collect fruits and vegetables because that's what he had to do to feed his family. The Galindo family present here tonight taught us hard work and that there is no greater dignity than to provide for your own family. Manny, you know, um, I don't want to pick on Sophie Trudeau because that's the spouse of a PM. She's her own person. She was touted as as you know a media personality in her own right but very quickly they pulled her out of the public sphere she doesn't say a lot in public she just isn't strong for a number of reasons and i really am not picking her i'm picking on her by the way right but it's clear that pierre polyev's missus is going to be a significant part of the campaign to reach out to new canadians uh i think she would probably be described as a visible minority she, you know, I think that she will be a secret weapon and she will be deployed and I think she will have great success. And by the way, all of a sudden, Justin Trudeau looks not old, but let's just say he doesn't look young anymore. He's well, yeah. he, he's uh, 50, almost 51. And, you know, Polyev and his wife are half a generation younger and they feel younger. Yeah, the, the difference between the two wives, in my opinion, and, and it goes down to the difference between conservatism and liberalism. Um, you, when you listen to Pierre's wife speak, you see the true core values. You see that she's actually lived the values. And she, when she speaks, there's authenticity and credibility to her words. That's why she's a powerful speaker. When you hear Sophie speak, it's kind of like a stage actress yeah. talking about things, and you know there isn't any um, uh, veritas, there isn't any gravitas to her words. There are just words that are vacuous. Because if she truly believes in what she said, she could not be married to a man that has been fundamentally racist. Um, uh, you know, I can give you, and I think we did a show on this on his racism, but his black face, you know, likening me. Uh, immigrant from Italy uh, to ISIS warriors that come back right. after killing Canadians. I remember that. Yeah, he talked will... about Italian and Greek immigrants. He could Here, let me play a clip of that. That was so crazy. It was so weird. Here, take a quick look. A little heckling out here, so appreciate you coming. I just want to know how, uh, your, how your stance on ISIS is going to help Canadians in any way. I need, I need to know how you're going to protect future Canadians, like my young daughter, and, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, when you're letting people in with an ideology that just does not conform to what we're doing here. So, you know, I'd really like to know what your take on things. Uh, absolutely. No, I think that's... Um, gives me an opportunity to talk about, about uh, first of all, the fact that one of the reasons Canada is successful as a country uh, is because we have been open to people fleeing persecution, fleeing uh, war zones, uh, looking for a better life for themselves and their kids. That's been the story of this country from uh, the time the first uh, European settlers came to be received by indigenous people. People were uh, fleeing conflict, poverty, uh, difficult situations, uh, and came to Canada to build a better life for themselves. And successive waves of people have in every different time, in every different wave. And when we uh, welcomed in 
waves of refugees, whether it was the Ismaili refugees in the early 70s, whether it was the Vietnamese boat people uh, in the early 80s, whether it was uh, people fleeing the devastation of uh, the Second World War uh, from Southern Europe in the 50s and 60s, the Italian communities, the Greek communities, the, the, the Portuguese communities and others. Uh, our country is so much the better for it. And there is a sense at one point that, okay, maybe now that's enough. Maybe we have just about all the diversity we can handle and we shouldn't have any more. Well, I can tell you, when um, Italian families settled in Montreal in the post-war years, they faced terrible discrimination and people who pushed back at them and said, no, 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 you don't belong here, you don't speak uh, English or French. Um, every wave of, of immigration has faced pushback because of how they dressed or how they sounded or, or what their belief was, what their religion was. And every wave of immigration has led to Canada being a better, stronger, more resilient, richer country. Yeah, Manny, that's just weird. Well, though not weird, I, I will never, you know, there's a line in The Godfather for the Italians that, that are watching. And it, The Godfather, they're from my, my home village, so we have a dialect. And he says, and that means, uh, you know, I will never forget. And when he made that parallel, to my father, you know, it brings me to tears. This man that gave up his land, his language, his culture, because his family was dying in Italy after the war, gave up everything, came here, worked hard, broke his back in construction, raised five beautiful boys, always contributed to society, never even saw the shade of the law, never and, and, and loved Canadian values. To liken him to an ISIS fighter who went and tried to kill Canadian troops and come home is, is something I will never forget. This man is racist. Trudeau has no concept what values are, what people are. He just judges them by their, either their skin color or they came from a different place so they must be the same person. So no, so, but, so that's the difference. When you listen to Sophie, I sit there and go, Nothing she says is true, yeah. because yeah. why are you married to a, a racist? Why are you married to a sexist? Yeah. Look what he's done to women. Look, he sexually assaulted a woman and basically blamed the reporter yeah. that she didn't quite understand yeah. that that wasn't sexual assault. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, how, do, how does a wife accept that? So, so Sophie has to deal with a lot of things, but that's the liberal way. You basically have to deal with things that you say you believe, but you really don't believe. But yeah. you see the, you see the, 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 the veritas uh, from Pierre's wife, when she speaks, you know she's telling the truth. Yeah. Well, I was impressed with her. Now, let yeah. me ask you a few quick questions. I remember when Stockwell Day became the new leader of what was then called the Canadian Alliance. And he had some pizzazz and he was a bit of a media sensation. And Jean Chrétien, being a wise old hound, thought, well, let's go to the election quick. Let's define right. this guy get him before he's really got a grasp of it. Now, now, Stockwell, they got a few more seats. My, if memory serves, he added, I don't know, six or so seats to the count. But Cretchen moving fast certainly wobbled Stockwell Day. Do Absolutely. you think that Justin Trudeau and his brain trust are saying, we got to move quick before Pierre Polyev defines himself? We got to move quick before the economy goes into a recession? Let's have an election quickly. What do you think? I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, he has to do it. I mean, he's probably getting advice because it's going to get worse and worse because we're going to see the strength of Pierre. The only difference is nobody knew who Stockwell Day was um, when, when Stock had to run at Well, there are two differences, um, Ezra, two major differences. The media defined the politician back in the day. Uh, the liberal fake news media decide, always define. I mean, I can't tell you how many, um, um, you know, uh, David Dukes uh, were described as conservative leaders. I, I mean, uh, you know the story with Preston Manning. I, I, I was first to meet him in Ottawa. Uh, and I remember reading the, the Globe and Mail headlines. This is back in 1991, 92. Uh, the David Duke of the North yeah. described him. Yeah. And, and I'm here I am, an immigrant, an Italian, a managing partner of a national law firm sitting behind Jean Chrétien's desk, and I want to meet this guy. And I was just so afraid. What if the media was true? Yeah. And, I, and I knew, you know, the, the kind of spider senses in me said, they're liars. I met Preston Manning, the nicest, 
wonderful. Well, of course, now he's loved. Uh, but, you know, but but that's what the media does. It just describes. So they did the same thing with Stephen Harper uh, and they did the same with Stockholm Day. It's good. Two things. They can't do it with Pierre because Pierre has been around a long time. And Pierre, but also Pierre knows that how to fight the media. Uh, instead, you know, uh, kind of like DeSantis in, in Florida, he understands the media. And in the moment, see, you know, Ezra, I'm a lawyer. I practiced in a big law firm for a long, long time. I had to get a law degree, uh, which was pretty hard. Uh, and and it, it's hard to be a lawyer because credibility is very important. The media, the general media, there's no requirement, no test. You just become. And the credibility for the media, now this is a profound statement, only exists because others give them credibility. Right. And if you once you strip away that that gracious granting of credibility, these people are pretty base and pretty normal and pretty pretty uh, unimpressive. I've known a lot of uh, media journalists who, if you take away the clout that they have in front of the national TV. These are not impressive human beings or really impressive thinking. There, are, of course, there are a few exceptions, but they aren't. And if we get to understand that, and what's happened with social media, uh, everybody's starting to see it. Yeah. I mean, they're starting to see, boy, this guy's embarrassing. How can he ask that question? Because we know X, Y, Z. Well, before, if we didn't know X, Y, Z, that person was a profound thinker, that media. Right. So, 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 so really, the moment we strip away the credibility from these people, um, that are building a narrative that is not reported in the news. I mean, in, in my opinion, the media have the greatest job, and you know, and, 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 you know, they have the, it, the probably the most important institution in a free democracy. But when they start driving a narrative, I mean, they're already lining up against this female uh, Italian PM. Yeah. I mean, wait a minute, you, you haven't even done any due diligence. Yeah. We're lining up. We're lining, you know, and we're seeing, we're seeing. Uh, so. The moment you stop giving these people credibility and you question them, like Trump started questioning, when he started questioning, they folded. DeSantis started questioning, where are you getting that premise from? Yeah. You know, m most people think that X, Y, Z. Well, where's your study? And yeah. then they fold. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, once you start s removing the, the, the credibility that they get by nature that we're a polite society, we don't want to sit there and be unpolite. The media really is stark naked, yeah. and I think Pierre understands that. You know, uh, let me add two things to what you just said. The first is on his leadership election night, his campaign manager, Jenny Byrne, came up to us and said, just so you know, Pierre Polyev's not going to be doing any interviews tonight with any media, so Rebel News don't take it personally. I, I like right. the fact that she got over to say that. But I thought that was an excellent move because she knew that she could craft the message that he wanted to get out there. And he's so good, those little videos. Yeah. Like he just does like a three minutes on that or five minutes on that. And he just, and they're sort of fun, folksy tales. Sometimes he'll talk about a coin. He'll talk about an old wooden barn. I mean, right. he's just, he's got a certain, he's a well, good talker. And right. he knows he can get hundreds of thousands of views that he controls on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. He doesn't have to submit to the CBC to get the word out. Right. And, you know, what we saw, I'm amazed of President Trump, who probably was the greatest Twitter user out there. Yeah. He understood that man understands the media. I mean, he's been in it. He had a number one TV show. So his major skill is understanding energy and media and so on. Um, so he knew, and that's why Twitter was so important. He was getting out more messages than, than the trillion dollar, um, you know, uh, legacy media out there. He was getting his message out. That's why he's off Twitter because it was so effective. Yeah. I think Pierre understands that, uh, you know, I mean, I look at my kids, I mean, I'm still stuck on CBC nightly news cause I'm old and. But I also do other social media uh, research. My kids don't even know what CBC is. Mm. I mean, they get their news from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know. And my kids aren't even. I mean, they're they're old now. They're almost forty. But um, uh, but so think about that next generation underneath the, the twenty year olds. They're not getting anything from the legacy media. Nobody watches it. Yeah. So their their influence is less and less. 
And because you influence less and less, they've become more militant in their narrative more and more just to keep that last, you know, 60 year olds, you know, watching, you know, subscribing to their views. So so there's a neat thing happening. There's a information is broader. People are getting informed different ways. And the the once entrenched legacy media doesn't have a stranglehold on what is the truth. You know, Manny, it's great to catch up with you. I enjoyed our talk about Georgia Maloney, and it's interesting to talk about Pierre Polyev. Maloney, the polls showed that she was destined to win, and the polls were correct. Um, I think that the polls are showing that Pierre Polyev is a real chance. I was going to ask you, can he win? But I'm sure you agree with me. Of course he can. Yeah. I want to ask you a bolder question. Do you think he will win? If you had to make a prediction today... Will Pierre Polyev beat Justin Trudeau in the next election? Absolutely. I mean, there isn't a question. And the reason why I say that, it ha- doesn't have to do with Pierre Polyver. It doesn't have to do with Justin Trudeau. Just talk to a Canadian, any Canadian. I mean, you know, like we're looking, like I cannot believe, like, like Ezra, this runs deeply with me. I cannot believe that Canada's health care system is collapsing. Uh, we basically, you know, we're almost third world in our healthcare. I cannot believe that we can't afford to fill it up our tanks. I cannot, like the average Canadian is saying, what price do we pay for, for Trudeau's vanity projects? I mean, I get it. Trudeau's a multimillionaire. He still flies to his trips. He still gets to do exactly what he wants. But, but the average Canadian is, is we're taking, like, 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 you know, like our food prices are going up. We're now going, you know, we've done a, you know, the liberals have done a job of, of destroying the, uh, the, the oil sands and, and oil industry in Canada. I mean, think about if we had a different mindset mm-hmm. and we said, you know what? China is still buying all its oil. Oil is like, there are, there are 8 billion people on this planet. 1 billion has decided, which is what I call the basic, you know, the white colonialist countries have decided, well, we've had enough with uh, fossil fuels. Let's move to something else. We're rich. We can do it. But there are about 7 billion people on the planet, China, India, Africa. They're saying, yeah, nice talk, guys, but we want to just get out of poverty. Yeah. We want, we need these cheap fossil fuels. You know why? Because we're dying. Yeah. Our, our mortality rate, our, 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 our lifespan is 56, 60 years old. We kind of want to be with you, where you were and yeah. fossil fuels are doing it. So the most racist thing, in my opinion, the uh, most greatest racist movement that there is in the world today is the global uh, warming uh, narrative. I mean, these people. So imagine if Canada and not Russia, Saudi Arabia and other oil produced nations produced oil, you know, very um, uh, environmentally sound, ethically and all that. And we were putting out the oil. There would be no war in Russia. Uh, there would be no war in Ukraine. Zero. Putin doesn't have the money. Right. You know, that's an important statement. We would not have, now, Ezra, this is personal. I'm a golfer. We would not have the Live Tournament. I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> you don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're, some of your viewers would. But we wouldn't have Saudi Arabia putting a billion dollars to compete with the PGA. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah you know, yeah. right, yeah. So, I mean, like, Canada would actually have, we would have, a decent pension for elders. Yeah. Well, you're we talking about have... ethical oil. You know, our, yes, our oil is superior to conflict oil. Oh, you're talking. You're preaching the choir here, my friend. So, so people are starting to see that. They're starting to say, like, so it's not a a, a Pierre Polivera or a, a a Justin. It's like, can you give me back some of my life yeah. that I want to enjoy a bit? I'm prepared to be progressive and help people, but not to the extent that puts me to my knees. Yeah. Well, Manny, it's great to catch up with you. We learned so much, and the conversations are always so wide-ranging. A little bit of politics, a little bit of law, a little bit of history, a little bit of geography. It's great to see you again, my friend. Great to see you, and I hope you enjoy the Italian passion. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You make me want to go back there. I haven't been able to leave the country in three years, but I'll hopefully have a chance. Take care, my friend. Okay, take care, Ezra. There you have it. Manny Montenegrino, the CEO of Think Sharp. Stay with us. My final thoughts are next. Thank you. 
Well, it's always great to catch up with Manny. Um, I don't, I'm excited by Georgia Maloney because it tells me that it is possible for a thoughtful conservative populist to win in Europe, despite censorship from social media giants. I know that in France, Facebook and Twitter and others have really worked hard to prop up Emmanuel Macron. Uh, they've tried that in other parts of uh, Europe, too. I, I'm glad to see some parts can punch through because, boy, the stranglehold of communication these days is powerful. Of course, Justin Trudeau wants to throttle our Internet here, too. I think Manny's right about Pierre Polyev. I believe he can win. I believe he will win. Of course, I don't want to be held to that. You never know what's going to come up. And, of course, Pierre Polyev's greatest opponent is not the Liberal Party. never was. It was the media party, and they are out for blood. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Katie Davisport reporting for Rebel News. I'm on location at 3rd and Yesler in downtown Seattle. A shooting just occurred while I was one block away walking. And so I came to investigate what was going on. A man was shot in the net. We have one victim. The suspects fled the scene. They have not been located yet. So I thought it'd be a good time to ask what's going on in Seattle. Ask the public about if we have a public safety crisis and if we need to refund the police department. And so let's see what they have to say. Police are looking for the person who shot a man in Pioneer Square, that man in critical condition at this point. So a shooting just happened on 3rd and Yesler. What are your thoughts? It's Seattle. Do we have a public safety crisis? Of course we do. Do we need to refund the police department? Of course we do. If the mayor was here, what would you say to him? What would you say to city council? Do your job. I think they need to figure out something. Um, they need to get the homeless and get help for these people and give them the option to either get help or send them away, put them in prison. <laughs> you know, this ain't, the, this ain't the place for them. There was a shooting that just occurred in broad daylight at 2 p.m. A man was shot in the face. What are your thoughts on that? Um, more safety, uh, more cops, I guess. Uh, welcome to Seattle. Yeah, it's getting worse out here. There's many things that happen here in broad daylight. It's not just shooting. I was walking down to the light rail on the elevator two months ago and I was attacked and I didn't do anything. The woman came and attacked me for nothing. Do you know who attacked you? Was it a homeless no, person? It was ho homeless. Some type of drug person. Do you think that we have a public safety crisis in the city? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you think we need to refund the police department? I mean, I don't, I don't see a problem with it. I think there's, there's a stigma behind that whole defund the police, it means a lot more than just that. It means abolish the police, and that's not what we should be doing. That's a dumb idea. We need the police, obviously. Um, right. But if, if, that's, yes. if that's just what it meant, then maybe it would be like useful, but it's not. It's so much more than that. So. Do we need to refund the police department? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do we need to refund the police? Oh, yeah, definitely. Do we need to refund our police department? I think they're getting that figured out right now that, yeah, it was a huge mistake. Thanks, Biden. Um. <laughs> Thanks to city council. They have defended yeah, them by more yeah. than 50 million and officers are fleeing in droves. We don't have enough officers no. to even respond to normal calls. They're all on priority one calls. It's, it's unreal. It's like, what's this place? What's this state coming to? What's this city coming to here? If city council was here right now, what would you say to them? I really wouldn't know what to say, you know. they. It speaks for itself, so. What are your thoughts on them still not having open meetings to the public? They're not attending, they're still claiming COVID and no one can address their concerns. Should they return to in-person meetings? Yeah. I mean, I gotta work, I gotta go to work every day. Now, this unfortunately has become Seattle's new normal following the defund the police movement in 2020. Just last month, the city recorded the highest number of fatal shootings in recent history, but the majority of city officials still refuse to acknowledge that their decisions created a severe public safety crisis. In 2020, city council proposed to defund the Seattle Police Department by more than 50%, and their war against police created a significant staffing crisis where more than 400 well-trained officers left the department since 2020. While Seattle's new mayor, Bruce Harrell has been an advocate to restore public safety and there are plans in place to try to restore staffing levels with incentives. The majority of city council refuses to publicly acknowledge that their decision to defund the police severely impacted the community. In fact, 
Some council members, such as Marxist Kashama Sawant, would still like to see police abolition despite the city hanging on by a thread. I have a message for Jeff Bezos and his class. If you attempt again to overturn the Amazon tax, working people will go all out in the thousands to defeat you. And we will not stop there because you see, we are fighting for far more than this tax. We are preparing the ground for a different kind of society. And if you, Jeff Bezos, want to drive that process forward by lashing out against us in our modest demands, then so be it. Because we are coming for you and your rotten system. We are coming to dismantle this deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system of capitalism, this police state. We cannot and will not stop until we overthrow it and replace it with a world based instead on solidarity, genuine democracy, and equality, a socialist world. Thank you.